Hello, and welcome to Shame Spiral. I'm Ellie Kremendahl, a psychotherapist turned comedian, and this is the podcast where I low-key exploit my therapy background to interview guests about all things shame. I was so excited to spiral out this week with Allie Liebegott. Allie is a writer and a painter. She has published a handful of incredible books, including The Beautifully Worthless, The IHOP Papers, which is, I think, my favorite of her books, even though they're all so good. Um, also, Cha-Ching, which follows a, a young queer gambling addict. <laughs> and that has a special relevance, you'll see, when you... Um, listen to Allie's shame story in this episode. That is also maybe tied for my favorite of Allie's books. She also more recently published a book called The Summer of Dead Birds, which is beautiful. Allie is a television writer. She's written for so many shows, Transparent, The Sex Lives of College Girls, Big Mouth, just to name a few. And she is a painter. Her work is so weird and interesting and beautiful. You can check it out on her website, alliebegod.com. Also, just something I want to mention, there's there's a few times throughout this episode that Allie and I casually mention the lab. And I just want to fill you guys in on what that is. So you're not like, what the fuck? Did they work in a science lab? Like what, what's going on here? The lab was a writer's retreat through an organization that Allie, I think was part of founding with Michelle T, Radar Productions. And they used to do an annual queer um, artist retreat called the Radar Lab in Mexico. And um, that is how Allie and I met originally. I was a young little writing resident on the Radar Lab. And I guess that's all I really want to tell you other than my little shame story for this week, which, all right. So I was hanging out with a pretty new friend recently and it was such a nice friend date. You know, it can be so awkward when you're actually trying to get to know someone before you're fully comfortable, but it, it really wasn't very awkward. We were having good, real conversation. It was a good blend of like real deep and fun and playful. It was great. I was like, I think we could be friends. And then because of that, I was just like having a good time and we were walking around her neighborhood and I sort of just like wanted to keep talking. I was just really, also I don't get out that much for friendship because I'm a mom. I have a million jobs. I'm just busy. So I was like, this is so nice just to be having a friend date. And then we kind of got to her street and she was like, this is my street. And then we stood there and kept talking. And I sort of, it took me a while to register that I think she was sort of saying like, I have to go and like, I'm going to walk alone here <laughs> and you go walk your way. I like just didn't immediately register it because I was like into our conversation. And then we like kind of kept walking and then we stopped again. And then it kind of hit me like, oh, like she wants to walk alone from this point, like onward to her house. And I, and I am supposed to understand that. Uh, and that's it, you guys. It's not that bad, I guess. But I think I just felt a pit of shame well up that I had like missed a social cue and also that I had that it had potentially damaged um, what could be a new real friendship that I was feeling really excited about, which also it's like if that's enough to like damage a friendship that's fine. Like that, then, then that's not a friendship where you get to be like a full person. So that's fine. But I did just, it was, it's, you know, it's embarrassing to be seen being a person, isn't it? It is the worst. And that's all I have for you guys today. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with Ali Liebegott. She is so funny, so honest in such a charming, disarming way. I love her. So let's get into it. Without further ado, let's start spiraling with Ali Liebegott. Shame burning in my brain, always in a frame, and I've only myself to blame. 
shame Wishing I could forget my name And crawl back up from where I came I'm going down the spiral once again The shame spiral I think the last time I saw you was maybe like between 10 and 15 years ago. Does that seem right? Is that possible? I was trying to remember. Maybe between 10 and 15. God. I wasn't even 30. I was such a baby. Now what? Now, now time what? moves in one direction or does it? Or does it? Oh, it's going to be like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I want it to move in one direction. Even though I just can't deal with having to come up with if it doesn't move in one direction. I can't just like have it move in one direction until I'm dead and then awaken to like, oh, we don't know shit and we sh- none of us should have been going to work. And yeah, we are meat computers. <laughs> uh huh. You'd rather things all completely turn on their heads after you're gone. Kind of. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to see you. You too. You too. So how are you feeling at this moment knowing that, you know, this conversation is going to be focused around shame? I mean, I think I feel okay. I um, I had so many stories to choose from maybe we'll flip around a bit as my life has been mired in shame Mm -hmm. but um one of the thoughts I had was I think the things that I probably should be ashamed of (laughs) I'm not Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and then sometimes I get very ashamed of things that I think maybe if you were like a regular person you wouldn't you shouldn't or I don't know what a regular person, there's no such thing, but like you shouldn't be ashamed of, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like the things that you can see objectively, intellectually, you don't deserve to feel mired in shame, but you do. (laughs) Right. I feel shame a lot about saying no to people. Mm. Even if it's a healthy thing to say no, it's very like, I have a lot of shame around that. Am I a bad person? Should I have bobbity bah, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some people don't have that at all. I know. I'm always wowed and baffled by them. Like, oh, you can just easily <laughs> set a boundary and like take care of yourself without then spiraling for the rest of the afternoon. That's wild. Yeah. Like Michelle T asked me to watch her dog and um, they're going to Disneyland. And I was like, I've had dogs my whole life awful dogs dogs that have ruined my lives you know and (laughs) like my dog died recently and I hope to never take care of a dog again Mm -hmm. you know and she was like can you watch the dog for the night it's the easiest dog and I was like no I I can't watch the dog I've had kind of a crazy week but like also like I said, put me on the list for like dog walk, watching like if there's a death in the family, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to watch someone's dog. Yeah. And sorry, Michelle, I love you. I'll do so many other things for you, but like, yeah. And, but then I, for two days, I've been like, God, how could I not watch the dog? Like, Mm -hmm. what a monster. Like, boppity bop. Like, what does this mean about me as a person? Like, I'm deeply, deeply fucked because I couldn't just say yes and help my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I get that. I know some people would never connect saying no to that with their worth and wouldn't ever use that as a metric of how good they are as a person. Yeah. Which is crazy to me because I'm the same way. Where does your like people pleasing stuff come from? Well, I mean, probably being gay in a time where that wasn't okay, where you wanted friends and you were just like, I'm the happy clown, you know, Mm -hmm. probably. I mean, I like to put it on that Mm -hmm. Um, before there was red lobster, rainbow pride shrimp. I grew up. Um, so, but also like, I think my mom's side of the family is like deeply Italian Mm -hmm. and it's like, 
martyr to the max. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all just bend over backwards to kind of help each other at all times, you know, which is amazing. But also there's this, this expectation that if you're not that at all times, that like, how could you like, you're, a, you? I mean, you're a monster kind of. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. There's so much there. I mean, this is such well-worn territory, but it always shocks and delights me how similar Jewish and Italian culture are in that way. Oh yeah. I was just chatting with someone on the podcast yesterday. Who's also Jewish like I am. And we were talking about this exact thing and it reminded me like, so when you and I knew each other in person more, I lived in California. The reason I left California, which I did not realize till therapy years later, was because my mom would call me. How could you be away from us? We're going to die someday. You being there hurts me so much. We love you so much. And I was like, I guess I have to move back to New York. And then mm. years later, I was like, Oh my God, that is a hundred percent why I moved back to New York. Cause I, I felt like it made me a bad person to be like mm-hmm. hurting my mother because she missed me so much. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Like it took me a long time to see that pattern as problematic. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I think there's so much expectation, like with um, I mean, as someone who's often mistaken for a Jew, Liebegott, you mm-hmm. know. Um I think that, I mean, isn't all, aren't, you're a therapist, right? Like, aren't all of our problems, like, kind of, not all of them. I think people are like dogs, back to dogs. Like, some of them are just born crazy. They, they were both, like, sorry, I'm sorry, but like, I I had two dogs that I brought home from Mexico, if you know, and they both had the same, like, kind of hard upbringing and one of them was a little sweet little lamb and the other one was like a complete nightmare, you know, like, and a dog trainer said once, like, sometimes this stuff is just who the dog is, no matter like where they, how they grew up or what they're like, you know, and I think about me and my brother, like, we're very different and yet we had the same upbringing, you know, yeah. and so nature, nurture, dog, human, time, not time. Yeah. <laughs> there's something both so horrifying and scary to me about what you just said and deeply liberating you know like well you have children right like yeah i do so so there (laughs) you you seem surprised by that (laughs) no it just so much flashed through my mind in terms of my children and this conversation when you said Uh that because like a selfish addict i'd only been thinking about myself and whether (laughs) whether I was like doomed from the start or not, but now I'm thinking that about my children. (laughs) Right, right. Well, you'll find out soon enough, I guess. I will. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I will. Um, Okay. So we're going to play the shame game to really like kick us into gear. Cool. So so I'm going to present two scenarios to you. Take both in and then think about which scenario would be more likely to evoke a bigger shame spiral for you. Oh God. And we can debrief it. Okay. I love this. Oh good. This is like fuck Mary Kill, right? But yeah. like with shame. Exactly. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. You have a friend, you have a little bit of like a younger, older sibling dynamic. Like she sees you as her mentor very overtly and you've really like stepped into that role. It's very sweet. And she's a young writer, early 20s or something like that. Mm-hmm. She's a little crazy, but you like you you're into it, you know, and um it's been a good relationship up to this point. One day you're having coffee and you're talking about the story she's working on. And she gets really freaked out and panicky and tells you that she's in love with you. Mm. And you are really taken aback at first, You, but you, you're not expecting that at all. Like you weren't picking up on that in the energy of the relationship at all. Um, and at first you respond pretty well. Like you're just like, okay, thanks for telling me. You set a, you set a boundary. Um, and then she just doesn't accept that. Mm. And she gets kind of like 
wait a second, like, I'm not crazy. Like, I know that you feel something for me too. You just feel like you shouldn't, but you do. What about this moment that we shared? And whatever she says in her spiral just unleashes a defensiveness and an anger in you. And you then don't respond well, because you feel like she's kind of putting something on you that is, it's hers. And you're Mm -hmm. just like, God, like, what the fuck? Like, Not everyone wants to fuck you or like something like that. Okay. And she, (laughs) you're really pissed. She really (laughs) pushed you though. I just want to be clear about that. Okay. She pushed you to the edge. And then she just like, her eyes kind of fill with tears immediately. And she's like, I got to go. I'm I'm going. And I can't emphasize enough how this has been like a little sister to you that you adore and like vice versa. Okay. (laughs) And she runs out of the coffee shop. You're like, fuck my life. And then later that night, you see she's calling you. Oh. And and it's really late. And you're like, I cannot deal with that right now. Like, I'm going to call her back. We'll, we'll work it out in the morning. Oh, no. And that, I know what you're about to say. Does she kill herself? Okay. So, Allie, my gut was first to say that she killed herself. But then I took it oh, back because I felt like that was you. too much. <laughs> okay. So she doesn't kill herself. But in mm-hmm. on social media the next morning, you see that she has... Like there's an update from her friend. She did OD and she is in a hospital. She's okay, (laughs) (laughs) but it was not a good time for her. Uh And Uh that's, that's it. That's it. That's the end of the scenario. So then you just have to, you're sitting with all of that shit. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to move on. What are you asking? Well, I have another scenario. (laughs) Oh my God. But also like, okay, carry on. What, what? It's weird that <laughs> did she buy the coffee <laughs> for me? <laughs> Is she hot? <laughs> um, do you need more context to sort of no, know what? Not at all. But I'm like, I wouldn't. I'm not meeting with someone about their dumb short story. Um, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it, this would completely work if I was a good person. <laughs> if I hadn't been like queer mentored to death whatever you need to do internally to like locate yourself in this scenario maybe you're just chatting and you're a supportive person maybe you're not looking at her story okay she is hot okay she is hot and that's hard for me you know (laughs) she's young and hot oh but let's let's go to the next scenario carry on okay so we all know the strike has ended. Mm-hmm. You're back in a writer's room, recently back. It's great. It's for a show you're excited great. about. Okay. The, a day before you go back to work, uh, someone in your life has baked you these like delicious cookies Ooh. and like so many of them. And you are eating them in like a hyper fixated way at home. So you're like, I'm mm-hmm. going to bring these to work and share them because I can't stop eating them. Uh-huh. You bring them to work. Everyone's eating them. Everyone's like, oh my God, Allie, these are so good. Someone's like, did you make them? And then reflexively, Mm -hmm. you're just like, yeah. You don't know. You didn't mean to lie. It popped out. But you're like, whatever. That's stupid, but whatever. Uh So then the showrunner, who you really admire and respect, Uh and it's your first time working with them, is like, um, Allie, is there cardamom in these? Because I am like violently allergic. <laughs> and you're uh-huh. like, fuck, like what, what the fuck do I do? And then you're like, what are the odds that there's cardamom? They're like chocolate, double chocolate chip cookies. What? No. And then you're just like, no, there's no cardamom in them. And she's like, cool. And then a little bit later, you're like, you're working. And then she... Yeah. Falls to the ground. Uh-huh. Her face starts swelling. Hives head to toe. Nobody has an EpiPen. Mm-hmm. She has to get taken to the ER in an ambulance. She is also okay, ultimately. Uh-huh. But of course, like you need to then tell the room and then later her that you lied about the cookies, yeah. which under normal circumstances, everyone would think is funny or who cares. Yeah. But because of the ramifications... No one is cool about it. <laughs> so those are the two scenarios. <laughs> so much to say on this. Okay. Well, I love a cardamom plot twist. <laughs> and um, I, uh, okay, scenario two, I 100% um, 
it's so hard because I'm such a compulsive self-discloser and I think lead with um, normally like uh, a lot of just, I, I can't imagine I think everyone would just know I didn't make the cookies and there's <laughs> no you were gonna say world that. that I made the cookies. And I think for my pride, like I, I just, I wouldn't, I think I can't imagine saying oh, I made the cookies looking for like a pride. Like I, I, I just, I don't know. Okay. But let's just go with it. Um, I, I think if it was a comedy room, Almost killing the showrunner could be very good for my career because that's such a great like writer's room story. Then that goes down in like, like lore, you know, it's like, remember when Allie Liebegott was working on young Sheldon and season 49 yeah, and like, didn't say like, and then it was like so crazy and the Bobbity boss. So that's like, yeah, it could go that it way. It would be a bit. The whole time. But let's say it's like a, it's a drama room. Yeah, it's a drama. Okay, if it's a drama, and uh, I think that's a different kind of group of people. Um, I I just don't think, um, I think I wouldn't lie about someone's, something that might hurt someone's health like that. Mm -hmm. Like my own ego for that kind of thing about wanting to be like, have been seen as like a Martha Stewart type in the room <laughs> wouldn't trump no that that wouldn't I wouldn't do that I wouldn't are these these aren't questions about would I do no this is like I understand it's like hard for you to project yourself into this because you wouldn't do that so we just have to I imagine wouldn't. that like in that moment you do what we all do sometimes which is make an incredibly stupid yeah irrational impulsive decision which you wouldn't normally uh, well i'd make one million of those look at all my bad tattoos yeah <laughs> um i i think that okay sure yeah i could i think i would feel much worse about the showrunner collapsing than whether of the extremely unlikely odds that a hot talented 20 year old successful writer wanted to fuck me and i was like whoa i don't want that you know like that to me is like they're both me baking cookies and <laughs> batting off hot women like eh. i know i was i was on i was on a tear this morning when i was writing I these it. i mean my favorite part about this is just thinking about you and upstate new york like coming up with psychotic like scenarios for me to like go through yeah i am i live in brooklyn but um, other than that it's true oh why did i think you were upstate because we're upstate some of the time we have this residency up there oh but oh but okay. we mostly live in brooklyn my kids go to school here and oh i didn't know that okay yeah. i'm in it i'm out now i feel so ashamed um because you didn't know what part of new york i lived in you should feel very ashamed <laughs> I just, I'm a monster. <laughs> You're a monster. Do you not pay attention at all? Oh, uh, not really. No, but I, <laughs> it is fun to come up with these scenarios. I mean, I understand feeling worse about the showrunner for when I imagine them, the scenarios. It's because, like, in the first scenario, it's not actually your fault like it's not your fault like you uh -huh. you might have been part of her downward spiral right but it's like her own stuff her own actions in the second one you lied twice both lies I lied twice led to this person's illness you know so yeah 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 so that was the hypothetical you said earlier that it was hard you know, you were thinking about what story you could pick. Yeah. Do you have one that you feel like, you know, it's the one you want to share? I, I mean, it's funny. This story I really want to tell you, I'm not going to tell you because it's, it's too personal, okay. but, um, I, I had many shame stories to like think about. And I was like, it's funny. Cause I, I almost was like trying to figure out the difference between like regret and shame, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, what is shame? Like there's certain things like that you do that in life that are like, um, 
in some ways, like, oh God, like I didn't, I was young when that happened. So like, could I really be held responsible in a certain way, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever? Like, is that, is that shame, you know, or, and then there's things where you're like, this is like, so like 420, man, but like, it's like existential, you know, where you're like, well, even when you're older, if you make some sort of like moral mistake, Mm -hmm. like how is, how much of that and the shame, like, where is the shame coming from, you know? And like, is it because you could have done something different and you didn't? Like back to the watching the dog, like ultimately saying, no, I can't watch your dog is because I was trying to take care of myself. Yeah, totally. And I needed to take care of myself, you know? And so that's ultimately like a good thing, Mm -hmm. you know, to take care of oneself, you know, but like the things in life, like when I was little, I mean, I had this fish and um, I was probably like 10 or 11. I had an aquarium and it was awful. I was kind of bummed that the fish weren't more like dogs. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to like interact with them. I wanted to have like a relationship with them. And I kind of just stopped feeding the fish. Mm. And I, they died. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you know me, I've had so many rescue animals in my life. Like when I think back to that, I just like, was that like a Jeffrey Dahmer in the making? Like, how did that happen? You know? And like, I think about that and I'm just like, God, there's so much um, shame there, you know? But then also I'm like, oh, I was a child. Like I was in this like sort of. I didn't, it wasn't like easy street, like family, you know, emotionally, like it wasn't easy street for me in the world. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on, you know? And so I'm like, okay, well, but that, that to me, it was like, that was like one thing that, um, I still think about all the, not all the time, but when it came up on a short list, you know? And then the other, um, thing that I was going to tell you, well, I have two other things. One was I was, I've had a many, many knee surgeries because I've had this screwed up leg my whole life. And you know how, after you have a surgery, you're, you're on like painkillers and like you get constipated, you know? And so I was like, had this, I was living in San Francisco and I had this, um, full, uh, like, uh, I, I don't actually, would I have a brace on? I don't remember, but it was like, my first outing into the world um, since the surgery. Mm. And I remember I could walk, but not well. Uh, in fact, I might've, I was, I had was like this really bad limp and I went to the grocery store with um, Beth Pickens and um, she was in another part of the grocery store. And uh, you know, when you're looking for someone in a grocery store and you walk down the, um, and you're looking down each aisle. So you're just like kind of walking straight line and like looking, looking. And like I said, so constipated wearing like these gray sweatpants. And, um, I was like walking and I was kind of like limping. And I just, when I was looking down the aisle, I didn't see that there was like this woman right in front of me. So I basically stopped myself short but the momentum of stopping short, like basically made me (laughs) put her into like a bear hug and fart on her. And like, like that was like, like some week long, like surgery constipation fart on this stranger in, in Whole Foods in San Francisco. And, um, I just, I, it delights me to this day to think about that, which isn't exactly shame, but there was, there was obviously like such shame in the moment. I was like, Oh my God, like, like just like this big dyke, just like bear hugged this 
stranger in Whole Foods and farted on her, you know, and it's like, it was like so funny, but, um, that's horrifying. I know that was like a, like sort of like accidental in the world. Like if you peed your pants or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but then the, the main thing I thought when I was really thinking about like what to talk about was like, I was a professor at, uh, and, um, I taught creative writing and, there would sometimes be readings in Los Angeles. And one of these readings, like I carpooled with some students up to Los Angeles. I was driving, I think. And uh, God, I'm just like, I'll never get hired again when I tell you this story (laughs) for anything ever. Um, But basically like, I, it's interesting because this sort of intersects with like midlife crisis shame, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you guys, we had a few hours before the um, reading. Why don't we stop at um, the commerce casino, which (laughs) is this place where you, it's like not what is it no huh what kind of casino is it it's like you play cards you know but it's like if you're going to the commerce casino you have problems like it's not like oh we've never been to las vegas let's try it like if you go to commerce casino gambling is your job okay it's a real like it's like how yes. there's certain bars you only go to because you have a serious yes. problem with drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to any of your listeners who are <laughs> regularly attending Commerce Casino, but Gamblers Anonymous is there for you if you need it. Oh, but my like, God. so I was like, I went to Commerce Casino with like four of my students, and I just was like, see you in a couple hours. And I went and I played cards and then we all um, met at the um, buffet maybe for dinner. I was like, let's stand at the buffet <laughs> while we're here, you know, and, um, and then went to the reading and I woke up the next morning and I felt like haunted that mm-hmm. I had done that. Mm-hmm. I felt so ashamed mm-hmm. and I felt like, even though they were all of age and, you know, like, Nobody was traumatized by it. I just was like, I can't believe I took them yeah. there. And I think so much of my, um, well, being a, being a professor, so especially at that time I was younger, you know, it's, it's a little bit confusing because they students wanted especially as being someone who was so visibly queer like I would attract like queer students who want to talk about their problems or whatever you know Mm -hmm. and it's like or a certain kind of like punk kid you know and like so it's like they wanted to hang out they wanted to do things you know but I was always like uh so I didn't really even understand my power because I I really haven't felt like I've had a lot of power in life Mm -hmm. So I think that this has been like a lot of um, like a point of confusion where I just think like if I casually was like, oh, let's go to the Commerce Casino that that as their professor, they would think like we have to do that, you know? Yeah. So there wasn't like, oh, no, we're not going to do that, you know, anyway. But Mm -hmm. I had a lot of shame about that. And I often, I drive to drive past it all the time. And every time I drive past the Commerce Casino, I'm just like, oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have so many questions for you about this. Yeah. Yeah. Bring them on. Okay. So here's my first round. What's it like to never imagine having a job again? (laughs) Do you feel so free right now? (laughs) Um, So. When you set off for the drive, was it in your mind or was it an impulsive, spontaneous? I think it was probably in my mind because I, I, at the time, was going to a lot of casinos. Okay. 
But was it like conscious? Like, were you like, we're going to go and then I'm going to be like, hey, I guys, can't remember. Can't remember. The, okay. I, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to pretend to be surprised to pass okay, it or okay. something. I don't, I actually don't remember the order. Knowing me though, I think I wouldn't have presented it that way. I would have said from the get go, let's stop at the casino on the way. Or I would have seen it and went, let's go. I wouldn't have thought like, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have been diabolical. I'm not really quite smart enough to be diabolical. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't imagining that as diabolical so much as just the crazy mental gymnastics that happen when you're struggling with any kind of compulsion where you're sort of yeah. like, maybe I'll, you know, sometimes it's conscious where you're like, I'll just throw it out there. It's fine. You know, it's fine. Or, but then sometimes it's so, you're so defended against it. Yeah. That it's as if it just spills out, even if you've known the whole time. Um, and we're, so you, had you been going, like, were you familiar with that casino? You were like, you'd been there before? I'd never. You'd never been? I'd never been to that one. Oh. No. But you knew it was going to be on the route? It, it, you just, you see it off the freeway. You see it. You see and it. Because gambling isn't legal in Los Angeles, the way they get away with it is they call it a game. So every time you sit down to play blackjack, you have to spend $2 in chips that you just lose. Or there's like a small nominal fee. And that's like the loophole around how you can gamble because it's a game. Wow. Interesting. Am I sweating telling you this? (laughs) (laughs) I think I might have won, by the way. Just hear my name. I think I might have won like 40 bucks, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) And then maybe I maybe I did even the grosser thing, which was like, I'll buy you kids dinner. (laughs) Hey, who wants a book? I mean, now I'm thinking, did I not buy them all dinner? Who knows? Did I just make them buy their own dinners at the buffet at the casino? Oh. I think I bought them dinner. Let's hope you bought them dinner. It's, you know, whether you did or whether you did it, if you did, it's like, that sounds better, but it does also kind of heighten the like cool drunk dad vibe oh. of the whole thing. God. Oh my God, Allie. Okay, wait. So these are, this, this is, these are now less topical questions. So okay, I understand, I can imagine you know, why you were filled with shame. It was interesting how you said you kind of like woke up. (laughs) Was it as if like you'd been in a fugue state and like when you woke up, you were finally sitting with it? I mean, fugue states, that's extreme, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it didn't hit you until the next morning. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe a little bit like that. Also, I, I think a huge part of the story that I've left out is It's possible I gave myself a mohawk two weeks before and died like (laughs) leopard spots on like the side of my, like, I think I was just going through some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Do you think he's going to be unaccredited or whatever after this? uh... I doubt it will get to them. Let's hope. Let's hope. And if you want, I can bleep out the name of the university. Oh, maybe. You want me to? That's fine. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Um, okay. So you were just going through something and like the shame, do you know already, like, have you kind of figured out what was the sort of hottest epicenter of the shame you were feeling? Like, was it around like boundaries? Was it around them seeing you in the struggle you were going through? Like, what was the, what bothered you the most about it? I think it wasn't, again, like, I should have more shame around that. Like, I should think, like, it's the thing. I think I was just, like, really that you could think something was so okay in the moment that Mm -hmm. really wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and that you could be so far off, like, your own it's almost like when you remember something 10 have you ever thought you were so right about something and then 10 years later goes by and you're like I was so wrong about that yeah like and like how only kind of time can give us like perspective on certain things and Mm -hmm. and that in the moment we can feel like yeah absolutely like I was right and they're boppity bop, you know, but like that next morning I was like, 
I can't believe I brought my students to a disgusting casino. Sorry, commerce casino. <laughs> Maybe they've gotten new carpet. Yeah. So it was more about like that you couldn't believe yeah. what you had done. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you worrying about like, was it kind of self focused or like I, about what that meant about you more than what your students were thinking about you? I think it was more like about like, I, uh, sadly, I think I was like, am I going to get fired? Like, um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. cause my students seem fine, honestly. And they, it was probably like, honestly, they're probably like, oh yeah, I had this. I mean, maybe not maybe they're in therapy right now being like, and now I gamble and I've lost $3 million. <laughs> And my origin to becoming a gambling addict was that day. I thought I wanted to be a poet, but in fact, um, yeah, no. But I mean, I think kind of I I might have been a little bit hard on myself, you know. I mean, obviously, like mm-hmm. I know students who drunk with their teachers or got high with their teachers and stuff like slept with their teachers. Like I none of that, you know. I I just sort of like look yeah. at my what am I doing right now? What is the therapy term for? when like someone's like trying to make it okay like <laughs> like minimizing or justifying yeah, or yeah, something exactly <laughs> but but you have a point because i was thinking that too like i would shame spiral too in a way for sure that's kind of about like how is this going to impact me and also like am i so sick like what's so sick about right. me that i made this terrible choice yeah but also exactly what you just said i was just thinking like it's not first of all I would guess that most of those students were like my cool writing professor with the leopard spot mohawk <laughs> took me to a casino like best night ever like that's a good story that's a good story and you gave them a great story and also you didn't you didn't sleep with them you didn't drink with them you didn't abuse them so much worse ways to exercise one's power I mean so it's not the worst it's not the worst you could have done but it is like exposing. I did eat questionable king crab legs with them. <laughs> I did. The buffet is an incredible button to this scene. It's like the most incredible button that at the end there's crab legs. Come on, kids, manja, manja. <laughs> I also would like to picture you like stuffing muffins into your jacket pockets like on your way out you know like this you're supposed to steal from a buffet that Uh, kind of thing I remember smoking I remember Uh, I definitely remember actually god I think I just recovered another memory I think I sent one of them to get me a matchbook while we were in the casino so I didn't have to leave the blackjack table and I could keep smoking Oh my God. At least you didn't send them for a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. That would be worse. At least I didn't borrow money from them. <laughs> At least you weren't, didn't make them pay for the buffet because you'd lost all your money. Hey, you, hey, you kids, quick, take out a Pell Grant so I could. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have those grad plus loans, right? Give me your financial aid. Daddy needs a chicken dinner. <laughs> Yeah. Daddy needs to gamble. Daddy wants to know which of what's a lucky number. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, it's so funny. How do you feel talking about it? Like, do you still feel ashamed uh, as we're talking? No, I um, I feel mm. okay. I mean, I feel tinges. At for a second, I was going to say, does anyone ever kill themselves after doing this podcast <laughs> because they brought up stuff? You know. But, um, you know, I had, um, I had this experience, this therapy experience and, um, it was, it was, uh, I did ketamine therapy, intravenous Mm -hmm. ketamine at, um, Cedar sinai for depression. And it was like six sessions. This was last year. And it was, I had another thing that I was really going through and it was transformative because really yes one of the main things that happened one of the when I think about the successions and like the usefulness of it and everything 
I had a lot of shame around this other thing that I didn't want to talk about today on the air, but like I, I had a huge, huge, huge level of shame around it. And it, in the, in the journey and the treatment, it was, and the, and the, what I had shame around was really just about kind of, it wasn't like an act of like, uh, it was really about growing and changing, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that the, the, the therapy was like, the insight it gave me was like that you have intuition. We were all born with intuition. You, followed your intuition and you needed to and it's okay and that like Mm. we have like all of these things that interfere with our intuition the world family of origin babidi ba you know but that we have intuition that we know Mm. what like when i knew i at 18 i was like you need to move to san francisco and be gay and be a writer like i knew that was like to be followed, you know, and even though it looked crazy on the outside or whatever, but like, yeah, it was so, so, um, profound to go through that treatment Mm. and, and kind of like release myself from a lot of shame. Wow. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, recommend everyone find their own path, whatever, you know, but like for me, it was transformative. And, um, and kind of not accessible to just think my way into that. Like I actually had to go through this thing that was very physicalized, you know, and yeah, that's real. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard several people from several people that ketamine assisted therapy was really transformative. And I feel like there is something similar when you do sort of like embodied therapy practices where it bypasses the like barriers of the conscious mind, like your whole body is involved. There is something different Mm -hmm. that can happen that some people need Mm -hmm. to be able to like actually shift something fundamental. That's like really dug in there. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I'm glad that you had that experience. Yeah, me too. And then I took all my students Mm -hmm. with me and I had them all lined up against their will and gave them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, when you go under, let me know what your favorite number is. Are you getting any <laughs> feelings about this slot machine? I mean, but the fact that you can joke about it, like, I do think something I love in these conversations I have with people is like some of the stories that people bring are like, are, are the ones that have held so much shame mm-hmm. forever. And, you know, you're still kind of sitting with it and sitting with it. And I think that when you can like play with it and la- like make a joke like that about it, that's such evidence that it's no longer like clawing at you mm-hmm. in the same way. Cause you, things are not funny. You can't play with something that is like literally at your throat, but you can once there's a little more like distance. Yeah. Yeah. And not, I mean, I don't mean time distance. You know what I mean? Like perspective, a claw versus like a light scratch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know we don't have too much more time. I have a couple more questions for you. Okay, this one's crazy. Okay. I'm prepared for you to have nothing to say. Okay. So I just want to throw that out there. But I'm going to ask you just in case because this is something I only ask people that I have on that I have any kind of friendship with. Okay. Pre-existing. Yeah. And I haven't had a friend on in a long time. So I just am excited to ask you. Um, So... That being said, we have not hung out in like probably 10 years. So is there, do you remember any moment between you and I spending time together that made you have any kind of little shame spiral or shamey feeling? No. Okay. Yeah. I'm not. Should surprised. I? No, no, not at all. I mean, um, we also didn't hang out very much, so it makes total sense, but I just I was curious and had to ask. Yeah. No, not at all. I have one with you. Okay. Yeah, it's really you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so this is I hadn't thought about this in forever, but when I knew I was going to ask it to you, this memory came back to me. So we were 
in San Francisco. And I mean, I think, you know, you and I did not hang out very many times, but we were on the, at the lab together. Yeah. I thought, uh, you were so cool. And I had read some of your writing like before we ever met. So I already was kind of like, had a slight fangirl feel, Aww. you know, a bit because I really liked your books. Yeah. That's nice. It's super embarrassing to say that, but it's true and it's contextual <laughs> with this, what I'm about to tell okay. you. So like I, and then we were like hanging out a little bit and I think there was a night where you, me, Michelle and Beth um, were going to see a movie. And I picked you guys up in my car, which I had just gotten. It was like my first car. And it was like a little two-door purple hatchback. <laughs> and at that time, I was obsessed, like in a fixation, which I like, which now I see that with this Eminem song, like Eminem had, which it's like, I don't listen to Eminem, but Eminem uh -huh. had recent, recently released this album. That was like post getting sober, I think it was like, oh, yeah, recovery. OK, yeah. And there was this okay. song that had a very different vibe than everything else on the album. It was like kind of slow. I, I can't even remember the song now. OK, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. I for whatever reason, it gave me so many feelings and I became addicted to it. Like, you know, when like it, it had a hold on me, I needed it. I was listening to it over and over and over. And so when I was on my way to pick you guys up, I was listening to it. And then I was like, I should like turn this off. <laughs> like This is like a private moment. This is something between me and me. But then I was like, no, don't turn it off. Just like, listen to what you're listening to. Like, these are cool people. It's fine. And then you guys got in the car and I don't remember who, but some, I don't think it was you, but someone was like, is that Eminem? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And then I kind of, also, I was like younger than all of you. So there was a way that I just felt like a little kid and uh -huh. embarrassed of being a person, you know? Oh my God. And just like not as grown or cool or whatever. And I just started in my anxiety talking too much about Eminem and about this song and about why I really liked it. And I think that you, I think Michelle and Beth were kind of roasting me about it a little bit. And you were just kind of like quiet, like probably mm. not. I don't know what you were thinking, but it probably wasn't a horrible thing about me. But I was just like, oh, my God, like, Ali Liebegott thinks that I am just like such it's, I felt like I was in seventh grade and I was revealed as extraordinarily weird and uncool. And oh my God, I have zero memory of this. Of course you don't. Zero. I don't Why remember going to a movie. I don't remember your purple car. <laughs> what movie did we see? I don't know. I don't remember. That would be a big, I mean, also like I'm such a shut in. I was like, Ooh, I went out. I did things with friends. That's nice. <laughs> uh, that's what's so funny to me is I knew you wouldn't remember. You, there's no. there's nothing significant about this to anyone but me, you know, uh -huh. but I have held on to it a little bit. And, and I think I was think like before it, the memory actually came to me when I was thinking about meeting with you today, I had some kind of like little feeling and I think it was about this moment. And then, that's so funny. <laughs> and then I remembered it. I know it's so silly, but. I'm glad that you don't have any uh, shameful memories. No, I, I involving me. I probably should though. Like <laughs> I'm just so. thinking about like how crazy we all were at the lab. Like, like make, were you there that year Annie Sprinkle was there? Yeah. Okay. Like, so when she, that was the year that we were so crazy trying to get the cat home. Right. Gato. Right. And like um, having Annie Sprinkle, like read tarot cards on whether the cat should come back to America. And oh my God, I remember that. Like, talk about like, I, like Commerce Casino part two, just like <gasps> we are, you're running a writer's retreat and then you're like basically like co opting everyone's time and during the breaks talking about how to get like rescue animals back to how to smuggle an animal back to America. Yeah, like crazy so into it though it just reminded me i wrote a song 
on the ukulele about this at the time. I think it was called Gato Naranja. (laughs) That's right. I do remember that. (laughs) We were all involved. You brought the ukulele there? I don't think I brought it. It was someone else's ukulele. I wrote the song Uh, while we were there, though, because I remember being on that little veranda yeah like little uh-huh. and and writing that song that's right yeah we were all thinking about gato a lot <laughs> and there was a there may he rest in peace um yeah the um they had a there were like there was like a hammock now i'm like yeah okay right. oh wow wow yeah <laughs> i want to i want to hear that m&m song though yeah i'll send it to you i'll okay. find it and send it to you Okay, so did anything we talked about today while we were talking make you feel shameful, like bring up a meta shame spiral? I didn't feel great about the fish, killing the fish. And I didn't feel great. I mean, obviously, I'm like, I don't, I still don't feel great about bringing the students there. But yeah, but we all are. Here's one thing as I get older. Is like, we have to make mistakes in life, Mm -hmm. which is like so hard to like have as a truth. Mm -hmm. But it's like literally how you learn is like by making mistakes. It's literally how you know who you are. You know, I think it also makes you more, um, if you can see them as mistakes, like if you have the ability to be like self-reflective in that way. I think it, it makes you more compassionate to other people. Yeah. I think so. Too. You know, because you're like, we're, no one's perfect. Yeah. When you can allow yourself to really like, when you can own your flaws and your messiness, you're so much more gracious with other people yeah. about theirs. Cause when you're not with other people, it's yeah. totally just spilling outward from this kind of like rage that you don't allow yourself to be a person. Right. You know, so so then it's intolerable to see someone else let themselves be a person. It's like, well, we don't get to be people here. You know, I really that fish story like I we moved so quickly past it, which I understand because it's, it sounds it's so tender and sad. It made me feel so like tender and compassionate toward you. I feel like it makes so much sense to me that as a little kid, like especially if there's a lot going on. Like kids, like you just have to find a way to process the feelings you're having. And sometimes it's through like murder. (laughs) Sometimes it's through murder and that's okay. (laughs) No, it's like, but honestly, I kind of like, it's like if you're, those feelings need somewhere to go and you can't, like, you don't have the tools at that age. I know. I wanted a friend. I wanted them to be my friend. And me and I bet you wanted more friends in your real life. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it's like you were probably feeling so much about what the fish couldn't be and it was like all the things <sighs> other people couldn't be and then you just let them die. <laughs> Well, looks like our time's up for the day. <laughs> Go deal with that. See you Allie. next week. Um, <laughs> you know, I do want to tell you though, in case it makes you feel better, I I have a lot. I have a specific animal shame that I never have let go of and rarely talk about, which is that I had a childhood dog named Ziggy. My dad was never home. He likes dogs. Never home. Mom hates dogs, <laughs> and that dog was like emotionally neglected. Like he was fed. He was watered. He was emotionally neglected and I knew it was terrible, but I did nothing to stop it. And the morning he died, the little dog, I was like on my way to my first girlfriend's house and I knew he was weird. He didn't come out of the little room he was often in, which was the laundry room alone. And I was like, that's weird that Ziggy isn't coming to say goodbye to me. But then I was just like, whatever. And I just walked by and then he died. And I have had many animals as an adult and I'm like, have no boundaries with them. And I give them everything I, I have. I can deal more. with many losses. And I and think Will. it's all sort I of just, compensatory. 
Yeah. I, I, maybe I want a cat yes. again. I think in the future, basically, but long dogs, way to say, I've, I've had dogs I was my like life. quietly suffering a lot in high school. And a, a lot of the way that I felt like unattended to, mm-hmm. like, came out toward letting my dog be unattended to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now you're doing living amends to other pets. I'm doing living amends to every animal in my life. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you have. I'm done though. I made it. I am sorry. I I had. You can't deal with another loss of an animal. <sighs> I I can deal with many losses and will, but uh, dogs. I I've had dogs my whole life, and it's just it's also really hard logistically when it is just caring for them is. It's too much um, mm-hmm. logistically if you're if you don't work like at home or whatever. Yeah. You know? We established I'll never work again, no. but those days are behind. You. you know what I mean? Yeah, those days are behind <laughs> me. So I should probably go get a dog. Um, yeah. yeah. How how do you feel right now at the end of our conversation? It's so nice to see you and talk. And um, mm-hmm. this is such a fun project. Have you been having fun talking to everyone about their shame? So much fun. Yeah. It's like my favorite kind of conversation. Yeah. You know, totally. So I've just engineered a way to have them all the time. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Shame Spiral. You can follow the pod at Pod Shame Spiral on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the usual places. This episode was edited by myself and Sarah Gabrielli. And original music was by Shadwick Wild. Please keep listening and rate and review if you're feeling generous. I have so many exciting guests lined up for our season. Thank you again for joining us and spiral on but not too much, okay?